somewhere. Uh, I started studying in verse or chapter six of Romans, and I backed up into Romans chapter number five, and I backed up into Romans chapter number four, and now I'm back into Romans chapter number three. So I'm gonna try to preach it all tonight. Just open it anywhere you want to, all right? Romans chapter number three, I guess we'll start. Grab some truths out of that and keep going. You can thank you, son. I appreciate it. And, uh, appreciate y'all singing. Appreciate the choir and Brother Jake getting the songs together. Uh, but uh, we'll look at uh, Romans chapter number three. And I, I don't know how far we're going to get. Uh, I really don't know. If we're going to get anywhere, I do have an outline, but I don't even know that we'll get to it. Um, but we're going to try, all right? And so anyhow, uh, the book of Romans, uh, we've been studying it in Bible college, and uh, we're going through it in our New Testament class. And uh, anyhow, Paul writes uh, to the church here in Rome, and uh, in the first three chapters, Paul gets them lost. And uh, Paul has to convince them that they are lost. Can I get a witness right here? We still have that same job today. Uh, man, it's amazing to me how many people that I get to pastor that don't do anything wrong. Is everybody all right? I'm having fun. I ain't even got started yet. But it's amazing how many folks that you and I come in contact with that ain't never done anything wrong. And uh, they've always been saved. Uh, from a child, they've always been saved. Their life doesn't show it. Their actions don't show it. Is everybody all right? Uh, I, I can't remember which preacher said it, but he said 75% of the church today, he believed to be, to be lost. Because they couldn't convince themselves. They, they, they tell everybody they're saved and they won't. They can't convince themselves that they sin. Is everybody all right? So Paul writes to this church, and he tells them in the first three chapters, he gets everybody lost. He says that the man they ain't never heard the word of God is lost, the heathen, all under sin. Verse number 10 of chapter 3, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody, no person. That's righteous. No, not one. Okay? He goes on and you can read on through it. We're not going to do it tonight. We're going to do some reading, but we're not going to get, I'm not going to get too hung up right here. But in uh, uh, chapter uh, 3, verse 23, he says this, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I like the next verse, being justified freely by His grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That word propitiation right there, if you translate it back into the Hebrew, it's mercy seat. Jesus Christ is our mercy seat. Everybody all right? Paul's teaching them that you're all lost. <laughs> it don't matter where you come from, 
doesn't matter your nationality, it doesn't matter how highly you think of yourself, it doesn't matter that you, you worship some form of God. We're all lost. We've all come short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. He goes into chapter number four and he has to reconcile the Old Testament with the New Testament. Because the question always comes up, and you've probably asked me this if you've been in Bible college, how did the people in the Old Testament get saved? If we look back at the cross, how did the people in the Old Testament get saved? So apparently this is a a question for the ages. And Paul answers it in Romans chapter number four. He says, verse number one, what shall we say then that Abraham our father uh, as pertaining to the flesh hath found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. How did Abraham get saved? He believed. (laughs) For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Abraham, Paul says Abraham got saved because Abraham believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. In other words, righteousness was imputed unto him. Chapter number 3, verse number 10, there's none righteous, no, not one, right? And here, the Bible tells us Abraham believed God and what happened? It was counted unto him for righteousness or righteousness was imputed unto him. In other words, let me say it in a word that we're going to use tonight. Abraham was justified. He was declared righteous. That's what that word justified means. He was declared righteous. Why was he declared righteous? Somebody help me. Because he believed God. So that's how Abraham got saved. Verse number four. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. Here's what Paul's trying to say. He's trying to say, you you Hebrews that are in the church, they're trying to work your way to heaven. He says, you are in debt. He said, it's only by grace that you are saved. And he says this, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is, help me right here, counted, once again, imputed righteousness. So in other words, the one that takes uh, Jesus by faith, receives the grace of God, he is the one that is justified or declared righteous. In other words, if you want to try to work for your salvation, God will let you. Is everybody all right? We got a lot of people today that are working for their salvation. We act like it's some biblical thing way back that doesn't happen today. It's irrelevant today, but people today are trying to get to heaven by their good works. Paul just throws that all in the trash and he says, you can't work. You can't. 
but to him that worketh not. That means receives by faith the grace that is offered to him. Grace is something you can't earn. It's something you can't work for. It's something that is given to you. And if you want to try to work, God will let you. Everybody all right? He comes to the conclusion in chapter number five, or I, I don't know, man, I, there's so many good verses here. Let me get back to, let, let, let me get back to, uh, 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 let me go back into four, verse number 20. He staggered not at the promise of God, this is Abraham, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now look at verse number 22, and therefore... It was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses, and was raised again for our justification. Amen. This is getting good. One of, the, one of the most recognized verses in the Bible, Romans chapter number 5, verse number uh, 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God Amen. through our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Ain't that good? That means when you get saved, righteousness is imputed unto you. In other words, you are declared righteous by God. You have, you have peace with God because you have been declared righteous. You avoid the wrath of God because God has imputed righteousness to you. He goes on and he says this, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. He goes on, he tells us in verse number 8, But God commendeth his love towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified. Oh, I like that word. Have y'all noticed that word? I didn't know if anybody had noticed that word, but that's a good word. Is everybody all right? All right. It, it justified. That means you've been declared righteous. Much more than being now declared righteous by his blood, we shall be saved from Wrath through him. Amen. Hallelujah. I, I, man, we, we didn't just get a ticket to heaven. You got a ticket out of hell. For all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. There was none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We find out not only were we saved to heaven... But we were saved from the wrath of God in hell. It's, it's, it's all good. It's 
It's all good. Y'all having fun? It doesn't matter. I am. All right, now, verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, this, y'all, this is what we were before we got saved. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received oh, the atonement. All right, what does that mean, preacher? That means we have been reconciled. The reconciliation by whom we have now received the reconciliation. We've been reconciled to God. Our account has been taken care of. Our account has been paid in full. And now we are reconciled back to God. We were apart from God because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but now through Jesus Christ, we have been reconciled back to the Father. Our account has been paid in full. How many of you like that terminology? The Bible tells us, wherefore as by one man, now we're getting some background right here, wherefore as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. What that means is, is that when Adam sinned in the garden, every descendant of Adam had that sin imputed unto them. Is everybody with me? That means that you were born with it. That means you can't get away from it. That means God wasn't waiting on you to make your first sin before sin was imputed to you. Sin was imputed to mankind because Adam sinned in the garden. Say, well, I didn't do the same sin that Adam did. Well, well, we'll read about that too. It says, for unto the law, until the law was in the world, but sin, or excuse me, for until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. In other words, there was no knowledge and understanding of sin until there was a law. The Mosaic law. But what Paul was writing here is to let us know that that sin... It didn't come because of law. It was already in the world. Is everybody okay? It goes on. Is that a farm report? Is that what that is? No, I'm messing with you. All right. Nevertheless, death reigned. Listen here. Listen. Let's get back on track. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses. And so if death reigned from Adam to Moses, then that means that sin reigned. Is that right? For the wages of sin is what? So if death reigned from Adam to Moses, then sin was in the world. Because the wages of sin is death. So before the law was ever in existence, sin was in the world. Imputed unto man. Where did it come from? Verse number 12, it came from Adam. Okay. Now verse number 15, the Bible says this. Uh, no, 14. Let me finish reading because this is a good one. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. That's for everybody that said, I didn't sin like Adam. <laughs> but you still had sin. That's what Paul's saying. 
If your argument is, I didn't do the same sin that Adam did, it doesn't matter. You still sin. Why? Because sin was imputed to man. Verse number, uh, well, we got to finish. I can't finish. I ain't finished 14 yet. It says, it, it says, them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? Adam, we're told, he was the one that plunged mankind into sin. But the Bible tells us that he was a figure of him that was to come. Anybody want to take a gander on who that was? Jesus. There was only two men that walked the face of the earth without sin. Adam and Jesus. Adam failed. Jesus did not. He lived a perfect, sinless life. We know that. But he was a figure of him to come. He was perfect. It was without sin. Just as Adam, just Adam was perfect without sin until he rebelled against God, the one that's coming and the one we know has come, all right, he was without sin. Now, he's making a comparison here, all right? He, he starts us off and he tells us that that, that, that Adam is a figure of Jesus. And now he's going to explain that to us, all right? So in verse number 15, he says, But not as the offense, uh, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, Adam, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, Adam, so is the gift for the judgment was by one to condemnation, that's Adam, but the free gift is of many offenses unto, there's that word again, justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to, everybody say this word with me, condemnation. It's for everybody that thinks that, oh, it's all right. I might be okay because God loves everybody. Is everybody all right? Listen, look at me. Therefore, as by the offense of one, Adam, judgment came upon all men, everybody, to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, Jesus, <laughs> the free gift, came upon all men unto justification of life. In other words, everybody, everybody look at me right here. Everything that Adam did, Jesus reversed. All right? Jesus reversed it. Everything that Adam did, Jesus came in and he, he, he reversed it all. Say, well, does that mean that everybody's going to heaven? No, 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 no. No, 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 that doesn't, that's not what that means. There was a gift that was given, but you still got to receive the gift. Is everybody all right? For as, verse number 19, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one, Jesus, shall many be made righteous. 
Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. This is what that means. The law served as a spotlight to reveal just how sinful we were. You know why? Because nobody wants to admit they're a sinner. I'm having fun. Y'all having fun? God said, this is the law. This is what you have to do. Nobody could do it. So it put a spotlight. This is what he says. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Yes, sin, yes, the law put a spotlight on sin and sin abounded. But he said the grace of God, Christ, <laughs> he abounded much more. <laughs> hey, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. I need, is everybody right? This is what this means. It means if we go back to chapter number three, we find out that we all need Jesus because we all sinners, right? He tells us in chapter number four that the way to Jesus is through belief, through faith in Jesus. He comes and he tells us that when we have faith in Jesus, chapter number five, we are justified. We are declared righteous. In other words, I need somebody to hear me right here. I am, God looks at me and he says, satisfied. Amen. He declares me righteous. Not because of what I did. Y'all help me. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. Now, if, if I couldn't do nothing to get in, then it just, common sense, I can't do nothing to get out. I'm going to move over here and say that. If I can't do nothing to get in, if I can't earn my way in, then I can't earn my way out. When I got saved, I was declared righteous. That is a positional sanctification. This is what that means. I'm saved. I could swing over hell on a rotten corn stalk and shoot the devil in the eye with a water pistol. And I ain't going to hell. Amen. Is everybody all right? <laughs> Say that stalker break. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Because it is held by the blood. Is everybody all right? I, I, I ain't got time for all that. But y'all understand. I am justified. I'm declared righteous. I cannot go to hell. I need somebody Amen. say, preacher, that's blasphemy. No, that's the word of God. Amen. I'm justified. That's how God looks at me. Therefore, being justified by faith. Is everybody all right? That's the first part of sanctification. That's positional. I'm saved and ain't nothing you can do about it. You can get mad about it and want me to be lost, but you can't get me lost. I'm saved, declared righteous by God. Not because of what I did, but because of what Jesus did. And because I had faith in that. Now somebody in here tonight, I'm telling you right now, if you think that you've been good enough or you think that, listen, unless you have come to Christ the same way that I have, the same way that Abraham has, you're still under the condemnation and the wrath of God. 
But for those that are saved in here tonight, you're justified. Hallelujah. Boy, we can take that thing. I've been talking about running around and shout. I can't go. Somebody, y'all say this with me. I can't go to hell. Say it with me. I can't go to hell. If you're saved, you can't go to hell. Think about that. If you're saved tonight, you cannot go to hell. Say, preacher, you just don't know that. God's word says that. I don't know how we get this all messed up. We act like, we, I, I mean, did, was it not there that, the, that he that worketh is in debt, but he that doesn't work? How do you figure that you can earn your way to heaven? I'm having fun. But y'all ain't facing to right now. Is everybody all right? Chapter number six. I'm positionally there. I am saved to the uttermost. I cannot be lost. So what does that mean? What does it mean? Does it mean since I can't, I can't go to hell that I should live like a heathen? <laughs> Apparently, Paul had to straighten this out too. And in Romans chapter number six and verse number one, he says this. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound. Everybody help me with these next two words in chapter, in verse number two, Miss Michelle. God forbid! That, that's how Paul was saying it. <laughs> what? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul said, no! Because somebody was going to say, you know what? Since I'm saved... I can do whatever I want to. If I'm justified and I'm going to heaven, then that means I can do whatever I want to. And Paul said, God forbid! <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Hmm. How, how can we that have died to sin continue living in it? Everybody all right? This verb in verse number one, go back to verse number one, Miss Michelle. This continue in sin, it has the meaning of habitual sin. Not, oops, I messed up. This is, I'm saved, so I can do whatever I want to. It's habitual sin. Say, well, so as long as it's an accident, I can keep sinning? No, we'll cover that in a few minutes down around verse number 15, all right? Y'all stay with me. But in verse number one, it tells us that we can't continue habitually in sin. You know what that means? Everybody look at me. You know what it means if you're habitually in sin? Thank you, Brother Rick. Man, I love having you here. You need, I, I, that. Yes. If you are continuing in sin, habitually in sin, guess what you're not? Saved. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
I know, it, I, I, know I, I, ain't, I ain't apologizing because I think I might have offended somebody. I'm telling you that believe that you're saved, living in habitual sin, I'm sorry for you. Because you have, an, you, you, you have a belief that you're saved, but your life says something completely different. And you need to listen. I need somebody to help me right here. You cannot continue habitually in sin and call yourself saved. Know ye not, verse number three, know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Oh, I love it. Paul uses an illustration of baptism that I use all the time. Paul uses this illustration and says that as a believer, when we are baptized with Christ, we are crucified with Christ. Is everybody all right? You say, I don't believe that preacher. Well, listen to what he says here. Verse number six. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. I just figured y'all needed to hear it. Right, so when we die, when we get baptism, he uses the illustration. He says, when we get saved, we are baptized, crucified with him. Dead. Our sins buried. And as he was resurrected, we are raised up to new life. We're raised up to new life. In other words, a transaction took place. I need a, do we have a little youngin in here? A boy. Come here, come here, Jesus, little boy. <laughs> Uh, Dalton, come up here and help me. Come on, come on. He is sin. Everybody see this? <laughs> he ain't Jesus. He's sin, all right? This boy represents sin, all right? Go get on Dalton's back, all right? Go get on him. Get on his back, man. No, I need you on his back. Get on his back. Help him out. There we go. <clears throat> boy. Going to try to tell me how to do the illustration. <laughs> you and I are Dalton. Everybody with me? Right. We're Dalton. We come into this world with sin on us. Right. Everybody all right? We come to the cross. Where's my cross at? Y'all took, took my cross out of here. It's a bunch of blasphemers and put up a Christmas tree. Is everybody all right? <laughs> We come to Jesus. Come here, come here. We come to Jesus. And when we come to Jesus, Jesus died. We come to the cross, Jesus died for us. All right? When we accept Christ, we die to this. All right? We get rid of this. Somebody say amen. I want it, I would like for Dalton to just dunk him, but we better be careful with the boy. Just put him down, all right? 
All the way down, boy. You got to get over here and lay down, all right? Lay down. You okay? All right. He's Dalton, baptized into Christ. He got saved. He died. Sin's gone. He comes up to walk a new life. Free from because it was buried with Christ. Is everybody see how that works? This is, this is what it's all about. So how can we, if we go down and come back up with that, we're not saved. Who said it? We're not saved. We are crucified with Christ. Freed from sin. We justified, hallelujah, we're, our, positionally we're in heaven. And sin no longer has power on us. That's right. No longer. We can, everybody, I'm fixing to hurt y'all's feelings. Everybody all right? We can live a sinless life. <gasps> Doesn't mean we will. <laughs> but we have been delivered from the power of sin. Not the presence of sin. Now, I, I know what I just said. So I'm going to give you another verse. 1 John chapter number 1, verse number 10. You can go sit down. You can get up. You, you might be needed in a little bit again, all right? I'm going to throw you the next time. Okay. I know we have, listen, theoretically, that does not mean, everybody look at me. Theoretically, it means that sin has no power over us. Doesn't mean that we can. So if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a and his word is not in us. So we know that we are going to sin. This ain't habitual sin. Is everybody with me? Habitual sin we got rid of at the cross. Is everybody right? Because sin no longer has power over us. And so we got rid of it at the cross. All right. Amen. Amen. So, where am I at? Verse number six. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Right? My man laying on the ground when he was destroyed. All right? The body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is from sin. Y'all thought I was lying. You thought I was lying, but Paul backed me up. Or I backed up Paul. I don't know what happened, but anyhow, one of the two of it, we both right. You're freed from it. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Now, I say all that to say this. Everything that we've gotten so far is the revelation of sanctification. That if you're going to take your notes for your, for your uh, preacher, I just want to make sure you had an outline. I got one. The revelation of sanctification. 
We see our condition, we see our salvation, we see our position, and we see our sanctification. That's the revelation of sanctification. But then, starting here around verse number 9, we get into the reckoning of sanctification. It says this, Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin, say it with me, once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Here's our reckoning, y'all ready? Verse number 11. Likewise reckon ye also. That reckon is a southern word. Is everybody all right? That's how we know that Paul wasn't a Yankee. I need somebody to say amen. God wouldn't have let a Yankee write all these books. <laughs> Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So, in the reckoning, we see our spiritual identification with Christ, and we see our spiritual transition. We're no longer, we're, we were dead to sins, but now we made life unto God. Is there by women? Thirdly, the relinquishing. Verse number 12. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. I am... Listen, when I got saved, hallelujah, we run around the building and shout over chapter number five. We were justified. But we get to chapter number six, and this is where most Christians just want to live their life and try to hang out and try to, try to, to balance between this world and the Christian life. And Paul said, can we continue in sin? Y'all going to have to do better than that. Yeah, y'all got to do better. I mean, I know that y'all said it, but you got to do it like Paul said it, all right? Here we go. God forbid. We can't do it. Why are y'all quiet? We need, an inv we need an invitation. See, if we're to be conformed to the image of Christ, then that means some things we're going to have to let go of. Here it says, neither yield ye your members. What's my members? Somebody help me. Your hands, your feet. Thank you, Brother Rick. Teacher's pet. He's, he's got it all. Your eyes. Your mouth. Right? It says, hey, I'm supposed to, it says this, it says that I, I let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof, neither, 
Yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. You know what the problem with most Christians are? They're yielding this to sin. They're yielding this to sin. They're yielding these to sin. They're yielding. Y'all help me, man. Don't, come on. Don't be quiet on me. Y'all come to church. Y'all want to learn something. Let's learn something. We're yielding our members to the wrong master. Remember, I have been freed from sin. That means I do not have to. I do not have to allow sin to reign over my mortal body. But when I yield my hands and my feet and my ears and my eyes and my mouth to sin. Everybody all right? Then I am back serving what no longer has power or dominion over me. Man, y'all, this is good. So how do I fix it? I'm glad you asked because verse 13 ain't over. <laughs> But yield yourselves unto as those that are alive from the dead. If you're saved, are you not alive from the dead? So yield yourselves unto God. And your members as unto, uh, of righteousness unto God. You know what that means? If you want to get out of the habit of sin, you're going to have to change what these, 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 and this is doing. Hey, and you just, I, I need somebody to help me. You got, we got to yield all of that to God. And all your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. What does that mean, preacher? That means you ain't never going to go any farther in your sanctification, which is the next step. There's positional sanctification. That's, that's when we got saved. That's, that's a one-time deal. We justified. We go into heaven, can't go to hell. But there's a practical sanctification. To where you and I are to increase in holiness and become more like Christ. And this world is full of a bunch of Christians that are professing one thing and acting a completely different way. I'm going to wake up to church tonight. Is everybody all right? Say, preacher, I come in here for one of them good messages. You don't realize how good you're getting it tonight. Here's what Paul says in verse number 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye are not under the law, but under grace. So here's for everybody that says, so I can't habitually sin, but it's okay if I sin a little bit. What then? Shall we sin? Notice that wasn't continual sin. Shall we, he, in the first verse, he says, shall we continue in sin? That's habitual. In this one, it's completely different. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? <laughs> no, it ain't even good for you to sin a little bit. All right. 
Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin. I like that. Y'all notice that's past tense? Ye were the servants of sin. But ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. In other words, you got saved. Being then made free from sin. Listen, listen. Ye became the servants of righteousness. I'm done. You want the outline? The revelation. The reckoning. The relinquishing. The reassigning. I'm no longer a servant to sin. Listen, I am a servant of righteousness. I need somebody to hear me. I need, I need, I need y'all to hear me. I don't know how to put all this together, but I need you to hear me. I'm trying. We are never going to grow spiritually until we yield our members to righteousness. In other words, we're going to have to walk away from sin and make ourselves busy in the things of God. Can I, can I say that? Is that all right? I'm going to have to make myself busy in the things of God or I will continually go back to being a servant of sin. It is, it's on you and me. And I, I can't stress this enough, but we got people that are complaining about, well, this, I, man, we did, I did this again, or my kids did this, or my kids did that, or, or I, I don't know why, but I messed up, and this and this. I, but we continually put ourselves in a position because we have not yielded our members to righteousness. Servants of righteousness, but we continue. Preacher, I don't know why. I, 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 I don't know why I'm fighting so hard with, with, with bad thoughts because you're looking at wrong things. Listen, you're listening to the wrong things. <laughs> You're finding your hands busy in the wrong things. And your feet's taking you into the wrong direction. I'm having fun. I want to get busy. I want to challenge our church. We get busy. All of us. Your part, get busy. Get busy around the church, whatever. Get busy. Servants of righteousness, not servants of sin. You want to grow spiritually? I keep pushing the envelope. <laughs> they, they somebody, maybe right here tonight, you need to be saved. You need to take an honest assessment of your life. 
and realize you've not been freed from sin. Why am I battling it all the time? Because it's still on your back. Like my man over there on the dog's back. You've not been delivered from it. So you're constantly, continually, amen. I think Christians need to hear this. Dalton, come to the piano. I'm going to give an invitation for all the people that are needing to come to the altar. Brother Chip, how many people are in here tonight? They should be 147 people around this altar tonight. 140? Okay, we'll still go with 147. Because some of you don't think that he was counted you. We need to find our way around the altar tonight. Because I don't care how long you've been saved. I don't care how much you know about your Bible. We looked at your life and assessed our life, my life, your life. Man, we've been yielding our hands, our feet, our eyes, our ears, our mouths to everything but righteousness. We're servants to righteousness, not sin. You've been freed if you're saved. Sin no longer has dominion over you. Can't say the devil made you do it. You've chosen. Night with heads bowed and eyes closed. If there's somebody in here, you say, Preacher, I look on my life and, Preacher, I I know I made a profession to be saved, but, Preacher, I, I don't know that I am. Sin still has dominion over my life if that's you tonight I want you to do me a favor nobody's in the balcony so here's how we're going to do it nobody's looking around say preacher I'm just not sure I want you to look up at me make eye contact with me I don't care if you've been a member here for 30 years I want you to be honest tonight Preach, I'm just not sure. Is there anybody in here like that? That be honest with the preacher tonight. All right, our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for a time in your word tonight. God, I feel like all I've done is read the Bible, and Lord, I feel like it's preached a message to every single one of us. Lord, I'm thankful. I realize that I'm lost. Let me say that. I realize that I was lost. I realize that I need a Savior. Lord, by faith, I trusted you. So, Lord, I give you thanks, Lord, for chapter number five, the end of chapter number four. Lord, I'm thankful for that justification, that declaring of righteousness. Lord, that peace with you Lord I'm thankful for eternal life but I'm thankful Lord that I avoided hell 
thankful, Lord, for the price that was paid so that I could be free. But Lord, being saved, as wonderful as it is, it comes with a responsibility. Lord, you did your part. You saved us. Lord, you justified us. You did your part. But Lord, I have a part in this thing too. No, it it doesn't affect my salvation, but God, I have a part in this too. I'm to live my life in such a manner that's honoring and glorifying to you. A servant, Lord, of righteousness, not a servant of sin. So Lord, I ask tonight that we all, everyone in this building, reevaluate our lives. Take a good look at ourselves and Lord repent where we've yielded our members our hands our feet our eyes our ears our mouth parts of our life Lord to sin God may we repent of that tonight knowing that sin has no dominion over it has no power over us we've been freed from it God, may we repent where we have yielded our members to sin. And Lord, turn to you. And as a church, as an individual, as a church body, yield our members to righteousness. God, here's my hands. Lord, they're yours. God, here's my feet. Lord, they're yours. Lord, here's my ears. God, God, they're yours. Here's my eyes, my mouth. God, they're they're yours. God, I want to use my life. I want to yield my life to you. Give every part of myself to you because of what you did for me. Lord, we love you tonight. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.